Hey, everybody, this is Joe Chavaria, and you are listening to the Credit Agents Podcast. If you've gotten value out of these episodes, please, please, please rate this podcast and share with other people you think it'll help. Thanks for listening. Hey, if you're looking to repair your personal credit or just want to learn more about your personal credit, I'm glad that you're here. You're at the right place at the right time. And so got a lot to get into today. Today, we're going to talk about the Equifax data breach two years later. It's actually been two years since that Equifax data breach. I feel like it was yesterday. And we're going to talk about Experian Boost. Is it really worth it? Uh, we'll get into that um, a little bit later. So I'm Joe Chavaria and very excited to have you on another episode of the Cup of Joe show. So again, a lot to get into today. And uh, before we get into the content, I just want to remind my listeners that if you're hitting roadblocks, you're, you're you know with your credit and you feel like you're not really getting anywhere, you're, you're hitting a plateau or just not really sure to you know where to begin. You know, I feel you. I've been there personally. Many of our, our, our most successful clients are, this, you know, we're in the same boat as well. And so I encourage you to, you know, let my team take a closer look at your credit report for free. And so for a limited time, you know, my team of, of credit analysts who are awesome here at our office, I personally trained them all and they love what we do here. They're awesome at breaking down our clients' credit reports, you know, specifically going through them and customizing our programs to, to fit the goals of our clients, whether it is you're looking to buy a house within three to six months, maybe you are paying too much interest on your auto loan, you like to refinance or maybe get a different vehicle. Um, maybe just lower your, your cost of living overall by having better credit. Because that can, That's another benefit of having stronger credit. So if you are in that boat and just struggling or not sure to where to begin, you know, let us take over to, to schedule a free no obligation credit evaluation. Go to thecreditagents.com. That's www.thecreditagents.com and schedule your free call to get a complimentary credit report evaluation. Again, that's thecreditagents.com or give us a call 800 786 2120. And one of my team members here will be more than happy to take great care of you. Okay, so let's get into the Equifax data breach two years later. And so just for those that are that are chiming in or listening here and not too sure what this, what I'm talking about, what the Equifax data breach actually uh, was or is, uh, this is basically where 150 million Americans, they had their, their data compromised. Basically it was, it was, it was stolen by, you know, a, a perpetrator who just hacked into Equifax's, uh, data system and 150 million Americans were impacted by this. Uh, this happened actually in September 2017, so this was in fact uh, two years ago. And uh, Equifax ended up settling for $700 million. And so that settlement has been finalized. The, the final number was $700 million. And uh, Emma Hurt from WABE, uh, which is a new station I believe in Minnesota. She wrote an article for, or Georgia rather, wrote an article for for some people that you know was mentioning that the cash relief that some people received from the settlement, which is not a lot, but there was you know you know anyone who was impacted that got involved in class action lawsuits, um, you know she claims that some people received the you know from the settlement isn't enough, and in fact uh, Robin Robin K uh, I can't pronounce her last name, but she's just a consumer. That's out there. She received a call from her bank that someone was using her, her, her credit card or trying to hack into uh, her details. The bank caught it. The bank stopped it. But I understand, you know, that, that it's a nightmare having to deal with all that. And it's just a hassle. 
And uh, so that's, you know, an example of someone who was, you know, impacted or, you know, is claiming that the settlement is just not enough to, to deal with everything that's going on as a result of the data breach. And what's interesting is that Equifax was actually warned, should they were warned by the federal government about a software vulnerability months before the attack, um, but the company did nothing about it. And uh, the settlement, the, the victims that were, you know, of the 150 million um, people that are impacted, uh, let's just call them the victims, victims were offered $125 cash um, or four years of free credit monitoring. Now, when this first uh, offer came out or when it was first presented, the uh, FTC, which is the Federal Trade Commission, uh, urged the, the victims to take the four years of credit monitoring. So they were pushing consumers to go in that direction as opposed to the cash settlement just due to the overwhelming response for uh, cash and, re and the, uh, the reimbursement fund was only at $31 million at that time. You know, the, end, the settlement ended up reaching $700 million, but at that time, um, it was only at $31 million. And so uh, the FTC urged, that's the reason why they, I guess they urged the consumers to take four years of credit monitoring instead. Now, you know, due to the breach, people are learning that they are not the customer. Like, you are not Equifax's customer. I am not Equifax's customer. We're not Equifax's customer. We're essentially their product, okay? So, uh, and what I mean by that is Equifax makes their money, and not just Equifax, but Experian, TransUnion, as well as other credit reporting agencies that you're not uh, familiar, with, familiar uh, of because the big three pretty much take up, um, you know, make up the... the majority of the market are the most talked about publicly traded companies. Um, but we are their product. Our data is their product and our data is sold from, you know, from, from anyone who would want to purchase your information or purchase, you know, you know, your, you know, your, your data to maybe offer you a, a, a credit card. You know, if you ever get those pre-screened offers in the mail, you know, from Capital One or from Credit One or whoever, those pre-screen offers, are, you're just not randomly selected to, to receive a credit card off, uh, offer. These, your, your data is actually purchased by, you know, Discover, Capital One, Chase, Equifax, Experian. Well, it purchased from them to be able to, to solicit to you credit card offers or loan officer uh, offers, things like that. And so that information is valuable to credit card companies, to, to lenders. They need to know who they need to be marketing their products or services to. So we are the, the product of Equifax, Experian, or TransUnion, in this case here, mostly uh, Equifax. And so we just wanted to get that straight that, you know, we're not the customer, we are the product. Now, when the data breach occurred, Equifax's uh, stock had plummeted at the time of the breach. Of course, that's typically that's typical with most investors. They kind of panic when something like this goes down. Um, but now the stock is back up, back to where it, it was. And so, these are some some facts um, that I that uh, you know just over the past two years were able to accumulate. Now I want to talk about you know what does all this mean? Um, how do we interpret this information? What is it? What does it really? mean so again the credit bureaus make their money by selling your information to banks and lenders so you are the product you are the commodity you're not the customer and now while i don't agree with this model um, but this is their business and you know information is a is a, a very hot commodity in fact 
if you remember the original Wall Street movie, the 80, uh, 80s, late 80s Wall Street movie, Gordon Gecko from uh, the movie said it best. He said that uh, the most valuable uh, commodity is information. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, while, I mean, while the, da the data breach happened, um, you know, I don't like the fact that it happened. Uh, Equifax does need to do a better job and companies alike that have data got to do a better job of protecting that data. Um, you know, but uh, unfortunately Equifax and, and maybe uh, some other credit reporting agencies just flat out don't care, um, you know, about the data being compromised, you know, because at the end of the day, people are still going to be buying it. If the data is compromised, in my opinion, I don't think that's really going to stop Discover or Chase or whoever from buying the data. The data is still there. They, you know, if, if the data is compromised, meaning someone else just got a hold of it and they're just probably selling information on the black market, um, I, I, I don't think that's really going to slow down Capital One or, or Credit One Bank from wanting to purchase data to offer uh, credit cards too. I just, I just don't see that happening. Um, and so in my opinion, if, if there's not going to be a slowdown in purchasing data, it's evident that it's not a big, big issue because Equifax stock, stock prices back up to where it was. Um, so obviously there's not a big revenue problem. There's not a real big uh, issue. They paid a $700 million fine or, or, or settlement, which, which sure that stings. It's a lot of money, but I mean, these guys make, make a ton, make billions of dollars um, annually, uh, tens of billions of dollars annually. And so, you know, while information is still king, it's still hot commodity, I, I just don't see them, you know, making like, like a huge ordeal. Hey, we need to protect this data. We need to it's not like they lost the data. And I think that'd be a bigger issue if the data was like deleted or stolen uh, and they had no access to it. Then that'd be a bigger problem because they wouldn't have data to sell to Capital One Discover whoever, right? Then that'd be a problem. That would really hurt, hurt their bottom line. That would really hurt their profitability. There's just, you know, someone got access to it or some entity got access to it and uh, just got a hold of it. It was just compromised, but it wasn't lost. It wasn't stolen. And so um, while your commodity, someone else just took a picture of it or took a, you know, took a look at the, 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 the commodity, which is the information, it wasn't actually lost. It wasn't really stolen. So, you know, that's again, that's why Equifax's stock is, is back up in my opinion. And so it's unfortunate that they don't really care about, you know, selling wrong or right data or, or protecting the data, they just sell data. Um, that's one of the revenue streams for, for Equifax is you know, selling consumer data to whoever would buy it. Um, but of course they make money on credit monitoring, they make money on selling credit reports, um, they make money on even the dispute process, they find a way to, to, to profit from that. Um, they make a lot of money in, in many different areas. Data does, in my opinion, I believe, make up a lion's share of their of the revenue stream is in the, the selling of information. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's where they make their money. And so, you know, the kind of going back to the, to the, the settlement offer, $125 you know, cash or credit monitoring. You know, I don't, I don't think that 125 cash is going to, to do a lot. I mean, if you looked at the example earlier, uh, where that consumer Robin K, um, you know, I'm assuming she took the cash offer. In fact, I believe she did because she already had credit monitoring, but then having to deal with all those phone calls afterwards, the, the bank, uh, you know, contacting her that, Hey, someone may be trying to access your information. 
and you know, good on the bank, the bank stopped it. In fact, many banks, most credit card companies have advanced um, over the last couple of years to be able to spot uh, fraudulent activity or, or weird consumer behavior or buying patterns and they're able to kind of stop that in those tracks. But uh, I don't think 125 is worth like, you know, just, just, I just don't think it's worth it. I agree, you know, definitely, you know, more than that. What is your time really worth having to deal with all of these headaches? But, uh, you know, what would be more valuable if you don't have credit monitoring established that in my opinion, the cash is not really going to help you um, as much as four years of credit monitoring would. You know, granted, it is through Equifax, it is through them, but nonetheless, it is still credit monitoring. Credit monitoring is going to allow you to know if someone checked your credit or notify you if there's an address change, which could indicate maybe there's a possible uh, identity theft going on because an identity thief will, you know, use your information and have credit cards sent to their address. So you'll be notified of a new address change, new inquiries that occur. Uh, you'll be able to just take better control of your credit and, and, and catch possible identity theft in its tracks and put a stop to it right then and there. And, uh, you know, another, just from a monetary per, uh, perspective, why I think four years of credit monitoring is, is better is just the value itself. It's $125, you know, cash, um, whereas four years of credit monitoring, on average credit monitoring is about 20 bucks. Typically, I would say that is the street value or the market value of credit monitoring. What is credit monitoring really worth? Most credit, credit monitoring companies charge me between 10 to 30 bucks a month, depending on the, the website and the service that's being offered. So it's just, you know, the middle is like 20 um, times four years. That's, uh, you know, about a thousand dollars, about nine sixty, a little less than than a thousand, not counting tax. But from just from a pure, you know, monetary perspective, value perspective, the the credit monitoring is is, is worth more. So if you don't have credit monitoring, um, and you were a victim, your your information was compromised. I, I would I would venture to say that would be your smarter way to go is to get the credit monitoring because you do need to monitor your credit. Um, if you're not doing that, and one twenty five cash. Um, you know, would maybe cover a couple months of credit monitoring where you can just get four years of it at uh, free, which the value is actually more. Okay, so, you know, if you, you know, one thing that I want to also highlight based on this article that was written was, uh, which I did touch on it just a while ago, is that the bank, uh, Robbins Bank, um, had stopped the perpetrator in their tracks and they weren't able to open up credit cards in Robin's name or do any kind of fraudulent charges. Um, and that's good. In fact, you know, it, a lot of us are concerned about um, data, our data, protecting the data to a certain degree. You know, we, we, we give up a lot of our privacy, you know, through social media platforms and we share a lot. Um, you know, so we give up a lot of our, our privacy rights. And so I think a lot of us have kind of got past, you know, and starting to believe that, you know, our, our personal data is not really that protective, that, that, that private, um, you know, and, uh, but there are stop measures to avoid, you know, your information being taken advantage of and going down the wrong path of fraudulent activity, fraudulent credit cards or identity theft, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, why, what I like about the, 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 the banks, which is really true today is that again, a lot of credit card companies today, and a lot of banks today, they catch that stuff. And I would assume because Visa, MasterCard, you know, those companies have put a lot of pressure on the banks and, hey, look, we're, we're taking a bath on these charges or people claiming fraudulent charges. 
um, you know, we, you know, we need to put a stop to this. We need to kind of prevent it from getting this far. And the best way to do that, you know, what the banks, a lot of banks have already incorporated is, you know, if they kind of notice behavior, notice transactions that are really in a different state or a different country or not your typical purchases, then they'll notify you. They'll use stop the, the, the card. They'll kind of put a hold on or freeze on the card, which prevent further charge, charges from occurring. They'll notify you usually by text or automated call and say, hey, is this you? And you just reply yes or no. And if it's yes, then just kind of they'll release the, the, the card and it's unfrozen. You can use it again. Um, but if it's not you, they'll keep it frozen. They'll lock it up and then that'll stop the, the thief in its tracks. And so a lot of banks, a lot of credit card companies have been doing this. Um, not for a long time, but, uh, you know, fairly recently. And so, you know, if you're concerned about someone getting advantage, taking advantage of your credit card, your debit card, which is a valid concern, I share that with you, but, you know, just kind of find a little peace of mind there that, you know, a lot of banks have some stop measures of that. If you're not sure if yours does, you probably want to give them a call. I bet you they probably do. They just need to do something to maybe activate or implement. A lot of them are already implemented automatically, but your bank, your credit union does not, or you're not sure, you may want to give them a call and find out what you can do to kind of catch, you know, fraud from the charges in its tracks. Um, so I want to give you some helpful tips if, you know, you believe you're a victim of identity theft and you want to protect yourself, or if you do find yourself um, in the middle of, of an identity theft scenario, someone stealing your information, um, what to do about that. And so, the first thing is, you know, to get a credit monitoring service. You need to know if your identity is being compromised, your information is being used. And so the best way to do that is to get a credit monitoring service that monitors all three bureaus and provides you with alerts. Credit Karma is okay. It's a free one, um, but it only provides you with Equifax TransUnion alerts. There's no experience in the picture. So you probably want to get a paid one that provides you with all three and with the same alerting capabilities, which most of them do, and provides you with all three reports and scores from, from you know, all three bureaus. And uh, also many of them do also provide a insurance policy, like an identity theft insurance policy, like your information is compromised and is stolen and you're subscribed to the credit monitoring provider, then uh, they'll, they'll, they'll cut you a check for you know, the uh, estimated cost, usually it's up to a million dollar policy, uh, to help pay for the damages that may occur from the identity theft case. So a lot of that's embedded in, in credit monitoring services. And so first and foremost, get a good credit monitoring provider. And uh, if you hang on for a little bit, I'll, re I'll recommend one too. If you don't have one, I don't know where to go. Uh, number two, you need to you know, freeze your credit file with each credit reporting agency. In fact, if you don't plan on applying for any kind of credit anytime in the future, uh, or don't really apply for a lot of credit generally and just want to make sure that, you know, if someone has access to your information that there's no way that they can, they can apply for credit, you kind of stop them in their tracks. And the best thing to do is to freeze your, your credit file with each credit reporting agency. Um, many of them you can do online. You go to Equifax.com, Experian.com, TransUnion.com, and you can do the freeze online or you can call them using the automated system. Um, Equifax phone number is 800-685-1111. That's to do the freeze via uh, automated phone system. Experience phone number is 888-397-3742. TransUnion is 888-909-8872 if you want to freeze your credit file 
um, via phone using their, their automated system. Once you do the freeze, you're going to be given a PIN number. So you don't want to lose that PIN number. You need to remember that PIN number. Um, so maybe set it to the PIN number that you frequently use or you're going to remember or write it down somewhere or secure where you know where it's at if you need to retrieve it. That PIN number is what you're going to need to unfreeze your credit file when you go and apply for a line of credit or, or a loan. And so, you know, let's say you're applying for a mortgage and uh, the mortgage lender tries to run your credit. They're not going to be able to because of the freeze. And so you'd have to contact each individual credit reporting agency, unfreeze or go online and unfreeze your, your credit file. And then that way that mortgage lender or that credit card company can access your credit file and uh, base their approval on your, on your credit information. Um, third thing to do is also, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about too much, we kind of touched on a little bit, um, are the other credit reporting agencies and the smaller guys. Um, and they're not so small, they're actually, you know, multi-million dollar, uh, you know, revenue-based companies. They just not, are not in the public eye, they're not as talked about as much as the big three. Um, and I would recommend also freezing your credit file with these credit reporting agencies, uh, LexisNexis, Novice, SageStream, ARS, uh, Clarity Services, which is owned by Experian, and Credco Core Logic. You can actually freeze those online by fax or mail. In fact, what's interesting is that a lot of uh, credit reporting um, agencies or the major ones, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, retrieve information from these smaller or hidden credit reporting agencies, LexisNexis, Anavis, SageStream. In fact, a lot of credit card companies also use these, these uh, alternative credit uh, reporting agencies to base their approvals as well. So not a lot of people know about these alternative credit bureaus, but it's a good spot to also go freeze your credit file with, uh, with them because it's another center, another source where Equifax, Experian, TransUnion collect data from and some credit card companies use these uh, other alternative services to also determine uh, approvals. Um, and I do have another episode where I do talk about uh, these a little bit more, so you may want to check that out. And if you do suspect you're a victim of identity theft, let's say that this is this is afterwards, this has already happened, um, then you first and foremost need to file a police report. And uh, you don't need to call 911. I mean, you could, but you know, you don't have to do that. You can just do a Google search to find the phone number to your local um, police department, your local sheriff's department, and contact that. Contact your local police department, and then they'll usually send somebody. I'll just tell them, "Hey, look, I am a victim of identity theft. I have a copy of my report. There's there's uh, accounts out of my report that do not belong to me. Um, I'd like to go ahead and file a police report." Um, usually they'll send somebody out to your home or wherever you're at, or they may tell you to come in. Uh, they may send a constable or a sheriff, and then you just complete the police report. Um, I mean, it is a serious crime. It's identity theft. It is theft. It is a serious crime, so they will take it serious. And then once you have the police report, then you want to I mean, obviously get a copy of it. They'll usually give you a copy of the case number, so keep that somewhere safe and, and secure because you're going to need it. Um, and then you're going to want to complete and sign and notarize the FTC ID theft affidavit. In fact, what we'll probably do is we'll probably put a link somewhere um, in here to where you can download a PDF copy of the ID theft uh, affidavit. Um, you just need to complete that. You'll put in there what accounts um, are not yours as a result of ID theft. You have to get a notary to, to, to notarize it so that way it is a statement a fact or someone who can witness to that, that uh, this was you, in fact, you signing this. 
Um, and then what you're going to want to do is, uh, you know, maybe make a one page letter to Equifax or to Experian or TransUnion, wherever the accounts are. If it's all three, then it's all three. Send an individual letter for all three and uh, send a simple letter, you know, hey, dear Equifax, these accounts are, you know, do not belong to me. I was a victim of identity theft. See attached for a copy of the police report, the notarized affidavit. Um, and please remove these accounts from my report. Please delete these accounts from my credit report immediately um, and then send me an updated credit report, you know, showing me that you did that. Um, and that should take care of it. If it doesn't take care of it, you may need to follow up one more time for whatever accounts were not removed. Um, and if it's still not taken care of, then you probably want to get an attorney um, or contact us and we may know an attorney we can recommend and uh, probably have to get their attention that way. Um, so I, again, we'll probably put the link somewhere in uh, somewhere around here where you can download that affidavit and, uh, and, and in case you can't find it or you need to get that, we'll put that somewhere um, in there. All right, cool. So uh, the next thing I want to talk about is Experian Boost. Got a lot to talk about on this. You know, is it, is it really worth it? The, you know, Experian is actually, you know, requiring that you give up your checking account uh, information to, for them to do their, their, their thing. We'll talk about that pros and cons around that. But first, I uh, like to thank our partners at IdentityIQ.com. And so if you are uh, currently monitoring your credit through Credit Karma, or even if you're not monitoring your credit, you are missing out big time. So Identity IQ is going to provide you with a full detailed consumer report from all three credit bureaus, not just two like Credit Karma. And they're still going to provide you with your Vantage credit scores, which is the same score model that Credit Karma uses. And uh, in this case, you get all three uh, reports and scores. And also IDIQ provides you with that million dollar identity theft protection policy that I mentioned before. Um, they provide dark web and internet monitoring um, as, long, uh, as well as an enhanced three bureau credit report monthly. So you get an updated credit report from all three bureaus um, once per, per month. The service is great. You know, I use it for myself. It's a great tool to, to use. If you're starting to repair your credit because it's going to give you much more data that you need um, as opposed to what you would get from, from Credit Karma. And for a limited time, my listeners do get 35% off their secured max uh, monthly plan and, and you get a seven day trial for just $1. So to take advantage of this offer, go to all the number three scores.com. That's, that's A-L-L, the number three scores.com to get started on the monitoring and begin uh, protecting your credit right away. Again, the website is all3scores.com. That's A-L-L, the number three, scores.com to get that $1 seven-day trial and 35% off the monthly price. It's actually 20 bucks a monthly plus tax to take advantage of that. All right, so uh, now I want to talk about Experian Boost. Is it worth it? What is it? Um, so we'll get into that uh, here now. And so basically Experian Boost, they allow through this new program that Experian owns, um, Experian Boost will allow consumers the ability to add utility payments to their Experian report. Um, only positive payments will get added, which is good. Of course, you don't want negative information, but you know, add positive information to Experian credit report only. Now, the score model that this would even influence, uh, I said that kind of weird, influence, would be Vantage and FICO 8 or 9, the, the newer versions of, of FICO. Um, those are the only score models right now that are influenced by this alternative data. 
And the way that this data gets on your credit report is Experian's gonna access your checking and saving account data through a third party company called Vinicity. And Vinicity will access, uh, what they do is they access consumer bank records uh, once per month to retrieve the data. They do it in a read-only uh, view and they collect the data on a once per month basis, send it to Experian and Experian will add the uh, payment history. Now, they're adding utility payment history, so this means light bill, cell phone bill, water bill, gas bill, they're looking for utility type uh, accounts and they're going back up to 24 months of payment history. Uh, you do need to have at least three months minimum to be available for them to be, for the account to be added, but they'll go back as far as 24 months of, of history. And uh, if the utility account, here's what's interesting. If, let's say you do this and you start missing payments on your cell phone, your water bill, your gas bill, which, which is rare typically, you know, those are the things that are, that are first to get paid. You know, you need your electricity, you need your gas, you need your water, uh, you need your cell phone. Those are things that are first to get paid typically before credit cards, before rent. Um, and so, you know, if you can't, but if you catch yourself in a, in a bind, you catch yourself in a pickle, you lost your job or something really severe is going on, you can't, can't pay and it goes delinquent, uh, the account will stop reporting. So if you go 30 days, 60 days delinquent, the service is about to get shut off. Uh, one, Equifax is not going to report that. And then two, they'll just go ahead and stop the reporting, you know, altogether. And so it's interesting because, you know, as a, if I'm a lender and I'm kind of using this alternative data to determine can someone pay the bills on time, can pay me on time, uh, it's a little tricky because, you know, I'm not going to get the full and complete data on this payment history because if they stop paying, it's just no longer going to be there. Um, so it can be kind of misleading to a lender, to a bank, I think from a consumer that's kind of, I guess it's kind of cool for consumers to say, Hey, if something bad happens, then they're not going to report it. And so basically only good stuff, um, reports. So it's kind of, kind of interesting there. Um, so some interesting data points is that 65% of lenders are looking at alternative data in the decision-making process. This is an article that, um, uh, Experian actually uh, wrote and got this data. And what's uh, interesting about that data point is that the um, the lenders, the alternative data that they're looking at is actually, you know, income verification, uh, employment history, job history, whatever. Um, well, sure, they're looking at other stuff besides credit, but they're looking at things that we kind of already know about, like job history, income, you know, stuff like that. So that's not really alternative data, it's just all their other stuff that's considered in the uh, application. I guess you can call it alternative data, but uh, I don't like how that term was thrown out in this article because it's almost like, hey, lenders are looking at this as well. And lenders are looking at your utility accounts as well, which is partly true, but you know, not entirely. Um, 65, so another thing is 64% of consumers, they did see a credit score increase with Experian Boost. So not everybody, but about two thirds of the people that did experience boost did see a score increase. 20% um, of those consumers saw a 10 point increase and the average score increase is about 13 points. So what does all this mean? What, how do we interpret all of this information? So, um, you know, alternative data has always uh, been around, you know, for example, you know, LexisNexis can provide broken leases, tax liens, judgments, bankruptcies, deed information, uh, even accident and ticket information. Typically, insurance companies get data from LexisNexis for they get the, the, 
uh, LexisNexis clue report for the accident history, the ticket history. Um, so it's good for insurance companies. So alternative data has kind of been around. So for them trying to get uh, utility accounts um, on Experian, you know, kudos for them for doing that and putting and getting the alternative data into the picture where the three main credit reporting agencies are predominantly used for credit seeking opportunities. But it's not like this data didn't exist. It's not like your, uh, you know, your rental history was, was never able to get on your credit report or didn't exist or wasn't reported anywhere. Uh, you just didn't know about it. You just didn't see it because it's not on the three main credit reporting agencies, but it's out there. It's, it's accounted for. It's existed. It's just being collected by these alternative um, data centers like LexisNexis, Innovis, SageStream, et cetera. Um, you know, check systems is another example of an alternative data or a, uh, credit reporting agency. What check system does is they collect bad checks, overdrawn bank accounts, and the banks use check systems to determine if someone can open up a checking account. Um, so again, alternative data um, has been around, they exist, um, so it's not nothing really new, but Experian just found a way to get some alternative data to report and also make it scorable, which is unique because Vantage Score is, is a, a score that is owned by Equifax, TransUnion, Experian. Um, and FICO is the other competitor or the, the, you know, the predominant player in the credit scoring space. And that score, your FICO score, your Vanta score is coming from information that's found on your three major credit reporting agencies or three major credit reports. And so by getting the alternative data into one of the major credit reporting agencies, it allows the Vanta score to be influenced by it and the newer version of FICO to be influenced by it as well. Um, but, you know, just so you understand who's really using this score model, um, not very many lenders are using the Vantage score model or the newer version of FICO. In fact, most mortgage companies, most credit card companies, most auto lenders are using classic versions of FICO. Like in the mortgage industry, they're using Experian 2.0, uh, 4.0 for, for TransUnion, 5.0 for, for Equifax. So little older versions, again, the alternative data does not influence those older score versions, only FICO 8 or 9, okay, and newer, that it's going to actually make a difference. And so it doesn't make a difference. So if you do the Experian Boost because, hey, I need, let's say that you're like, you, you, you apply for a mortgage loan and the mortgage lender says, hey, you are 10 points away or five points away from being able to qualify. And you say, hey, well, what if I did that Experian Boost thing? I heard people get a couple points from, from that your mortgage lender is probably like, yeah, give it a shot, right? Because well, what do they know? A lot of them don't know a lot about credit. Um, and that's not a jab, you know, at the mortgage, you know, industry. It's just that, you know, a lot of them are great at what they do, which is mortgages, but, you know, don't really know a whole lot about, about credit. Some do, but the majority don't know a lot about credit. Just like me, I know a lot about credit, but I may not know a lot about mortgages, you know, so I'm not going to pretend that I do. But, uh, you know, what could happen is a mortgage lender could say, you know, yeah, give it a shot. It may, be, it may work. Um, but again, it's only going to influence the old, the newer versions of FICO. So you go do that, you give up your, your bank account information, you give away that privacy to Experian. And, uh, and then you go and apply for a mortgage and you're like, hey, my score didn't really move. You know, what happened? Um, and it's just because for one, uh, and it's not guaranteed that everyone's going to see a score increase, but 64% did. Some, you know, that means about 36 did not. Um, but again, the mortgage companies are not using those versions of FICO. They're using the older versions of FICO, which does not consider this alternative data in the score anyway.
So that's why it doesn't make sense to do it if you are trying to, you just want to get a couple extra points to get a mortgage, get a better trade car loan, maybe get approved for a credit card. It's not going to make a difference there because it only applies towards your Vantage credit score or your newer version of FICO. Um, the other thing I don't like about it is that, you know, you have to give up information regarding, you know, related to your checking and, and, and savings account. Um, and what I don't like about that is, you know, one, just giving someone access to that information, um, you know, to, to, to get a utility account. I feel like they're going, they're going about the wrong way. If they wanted my utility account, they could probably get it somewhere else. Um, but I'm sure Experian would have to pay for that. And so what they're doing is they're giving away this information for free. They're giving away this data. Hey, we'll put this information on the credit report, you know, for free, because it doesn't cost the consumer anything. Um, so instead of, uh, you know, instead of uh, Experian going somewhere else and buying this data, um, which they're used to doing, this is a way for them to save money. Their thinking is like, let's get the consumer to just give up their information, which we know that they will. And obviously they did. Many of them did. We don't need to pay anybody anything. We just reward them with the account being reported to the credit report. We reward them with the score increase. Right. And, uh, and then you, the consumer, you're just rewarded by that. Like, but, but honestly, your data is much more valuable. It's, it's hundreds of not thousands of thousands of dollars that your data is actually worth. So, if I'm the consumer, which I have not done Experian Boost, particularly for, for, for this reason, is just I'm going to just give away my information, what, for free? Possibly a five-point increase, 10-point increase, it doesn't really matter. Um, if you want this information, you're going to need to buy it. Just like you pay other companies for, for data, just like you buy other data, you buy other credit bureaus. Well, guess what? My information, you want access to this, I consider myself, hey, a credit reporting agency myself. I have data uh, on myself, and so if you want it, buy it. Okay, make me an offer and buy it. Um, you know, I, I'm not a cheap date to where, uh, you know, just by getting a credit, you know, reporting trade line from my cell phone bill on my report, that's not enough to entice me to, to, to do something. Um, that's my opinion on, on, on that. You know, if I'm going to do Experian Boost, then, you know, they need they make me an offer, sizable offer to give up my checking account information and allow them to retrieve data from my checking account to get reported onto my credit report. I, and I think that that is their agenda. I think that what they're trying to do is they're trying to get access to this information to create more alternative data um, with keeping their costs down, right? Not really collecting, not buying this data. Um, they're just going directly to the consumer and let the consumer have um, an influence on this. So they have a lot of, they have a lot of like, best way to put it, they have a lot of favor, a lot of favors on the consumer side. Like you can use as a consumer, you can control the data. Bad information does not get reported. It's free. Like it's a lot of incentive for a consumer to do that because they want to get, they want to get the consumer to give up this information without a fight, make it really easy. Why is that? Does experience just really just want to get your trade line to report to your credit report? Are they really wanting to get your, 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 your cell phone bill, utility, your, your gas bill on your credit. Is that really what they want or do they want something else? Um, based on their history, I would say they want something else. They just want more data and they want to get it for free and you're giving it to them for free. Um, so that's where I have an issue with that. And don't think that Experian is just going to stop there. Once they have access to this information, don't think that they're just, you know, going to just create this, uh, you know, Experian Boost product based on this. They're going to get a lot more data 
from you besides just this. They're gonna get a lot more behavior patterns, a lot more data, probably like score models based around that. Um, you know, and, and again, you just gave it to them for free, uh, where they're a company that has issues with data compliance, data integrity, and you're just giving them more data. Um, so it's just like we're just feeding the beast. So if you have not done Experian Boost and you're kind of on the sideline wondering if you should do this, you know, don't take my advice, make your own opinion. But my opinion is I would recommend you stay put, stay away from it. It's too early. Um, you know, it just is brand new. I don't, I don't agree with giving up this information so easily. I don't agree with, you know, giving it, give it to them for free. Um, my advice would be kind of stay on the sideline, watch it, watch what happens with this. Give it about six to 18 months before you really consider it. Um, so you can kind of get some more, more opinions, more insight as to what is really going on with Experian Boost. Now, if you're doing this because you want to improve your credit score, okay, there, there are other ways to do this that are better for you, more beneficial for you, and will actually apply to the score models that, that, that really matter. And so what I would recommend doing, if you're in the process of buying a house or you're gonna be three to six, three to six months out, you wanna buy a house or you wanna refinance your auto loan or you wanna buy a new car, whatever, this is the steps I would recommend you take. Number one, get your credit report. Okay, go through your report, figure out what's all on there, what shouldn't be um, on there, what's incorrect, what's inaccurate, and get that information removed from your credit report. Do your best to remove collections, late pays, charge-offs, bad addresses, bad names that don't belong to you, employers, phone numbers. Do your best to remove as much negative data from your report as possible because that does have a positive influence on your credit uh, profile, your credit report, and many times it'll even influence your credit score positively as well. Um, as you're doing that, you're gonna need to build some positive credit history moving forward. So if you have no credit whatsoever, get yourself a secured credit card. Um, there's some online companies that provide you that do no credit check. They'll give you a line of credit on their website. They report payments to your credit report. In fact, we'll even put um, a link to, to a website we recommend where you can get access to secured cards, um, some online stores that provide you with credit as well. We'll put the link in the description somewhere where you can get access to that and get access to some, some, some credit builders. And once you're repairing your credit, removing accounts, building positive history, um, you do want to maintain it. Keep your balances low. Don't, don't max out credit cards. Make sure you pay things on time. You know, those are things that you can do to, to further maximize your credit outside of having to do Experian Boost and giving them much more information that they can get on their own. Um, they're just, you know, refusing to pay for it or finding an easier way to get in the consumer to participate. Um, and just keep that in mind that Experian pays lots of money for data to buy. They, they spend millions of dollars to buy smaller credit bureaus, which are large data centers. And so you have a value. Your credit profile has a value to Experian because remember, you're the product. So the product's not worth zero. It's worth something because they sell it. So there's something valuable there. So you're going to give them the information. Don't settle for just a you know, credit reporting account on your report. You know, I, would, I, would, I would not give it out, my, my information to Experian without a monetary you know, compensation attached to it. So um, we'll leave it there. Uh, that is my time for today. Um, subscribe to get alerts on other upcoming uh, episodes. We do a couple of these a week. And uh, you know, don't forget to, to submit your information if you want to get a credit review by my team. We're happy to do that for you. Um, we'll leave it there. I'm Joe Chavaria, and I'll see you on the next one. Take care.
Hey guys, just want to say thank you so much for listening to the Credit Agents Podcast. If you received any value of any of these episodes, please, 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 por favor, rate this podcast and share it with other people you'll think it'll benefit. Again, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cup of Joe. I'll see you on the next one, guys.